Okay, you guys know what time it is. Here we go. We are live back in action from New York to LA and Seattle to Tampa Bay. You're listening to the Power 32 podcast brought to you by Anchor Radio. My name is Jason Fearman on Twitter at Sports Profit One. Power 32 is presented by the Sports Column. Listen, guys, if you love to write about sports, then go to the sportscol.com. That's C-O-L at the end, the sports call, and submit your article with the opportunity for thousands of people to read what's on your mind. You guys know what's on my mind, man. It's football. I'm set on football. And here to chop it up with me is the co-host of Flieger and Briggs, Mr. Rick Briggs. What a pleasure to have you in here today, my friend. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and being with me today, man. How are you doing? you inviting me on and it's been we talked about it before we came on the air it has been far too long since we've uh talked together on the same show you're not kidding man you're not kidding i, I was totally like thrown like oh my god it's been that long like that many years have passed by and it's kind of funny you know, like even like a side note how time is just really flying by my sister is pregnant with her second child and i said oh, uh, dana is her name you know you what is it, two and a half months now? She goes, no, it's about five months now there, brother. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, I really don't know what the hell's going on. So, Rick, I'm going to need some help with the timing over here, my friend. But, hey, speaking of timing, look, if you want to listen to a time at 6 o'clock every Wednesday night live, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs, host of It's Just Sports on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, like I said, they go live 6 o'clock Wednesday nights. And after tonight's show, I'm sure you're going to know why you're going to be tuning in to that show. So, again, Mr. Briggs, great to have you in here with the show. We've been conversing over the week we, when we can get this in. And, look, finally, here we are, man. We're ready to get it going. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you what, it has been one crazy football year. And it looks like it's going to be some photo finishes coming down for these expanded wildcard spots. Yeah, you, you, you ain't kidding, man. It really is. And it's, it's surprising that teams that can even get to uh, 10, 11 wins this year wouldn't even um, clinch a playoff berth, even with that extra playoff spot. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. Um, yeah, things are pretty amazing right now. The AFC is looking pretty stacked. The NFC, you know, fighting. If it wasn't for the NFC East, then obviously you'd be looking at a much better division right now. But things are what they are. So, look, here we go. We got uh, we got to get off to neighborhood news, as we always do. It's the first thing. So let's get into it. The unfortunate news of the day, and you guys may have heard, Kevin Green had passed away at the age of 58. And, man, Rick, I, I know you remember him playing the blonde hair flowing out the back, number 91 for the Steelers, then went to the Panthers. But one of the one of the better linebackers out there, man, he played 150% every single play. So it, it's sad to see him go. Yeah, it sure is. 
mean, you know, 58 years old, that is not old. And it doesn't matter really how old you are. I mean, you start looking around with, you know, if you're that age or you have parents that age or whatever, it's just not that old. And, and I still really don't know what the, the cause was. I haven't heard yet I, as of, you know, coming on to the show. Um, but I know it was, uh, you know, met with a lot of shock and surprise. Because yep. Getting back to him, like you said, he's one of those kind of guys that were akin to a Butkus, a Singletary, mm. um, you know, LT, just had that motor yes. that just never quit. Absolutely. Absolutely. He did it from the outside linebacker position or defensive end. He can do it all at really any spot. Yeah, he was uh, he never stopped. He just never, ever stopped. He even played with Green Bay for a little bit. Uh, Hall of Famer, no doubt. And uh, look, you know, I I don't know what happened either. And I'm not going to speculate. But again, we lost a definite NFL great. No doubt about it. And speaking of the Steelers, you got to help me out with this one, man. I can't figure it out because they went 11-0. You know, they were looking great. Then, you know, they kind of slumped a little bit, but were still winning. So they're undefeated. And then they play Washington, they lose. They play Buffalo, they lose. And that was expected. But last night, Cincinnati with Ryan Finley? Uh, do you have any idea what the hell happened there, Rick? Because I watched the entire game. And the only thing I could tell you is that Cincinnati was fired up and Pittsburgh looked sluggish and – if that's the case, then I, I you know, I got to be worried also. And with the receiver drops that have been going on, they didn't do it too much last night. But lack of a running game, I, I, I don't know, man. What did you see? Because I just saw total hell from the Steelers. Like, this is not a playoff team anymore. No, they're actually not. And, I mean, you hit it right on the head. They're, they're sluggish. That is probably the whole team atmosphere is what it looks like to me. I mean, after um, the play where Pouncey and Roethlisberger, you know, fumbled that snap and Cincinnati got the ball. Okay, things like that obviously happen from time to time. Right. But what really struck me is the camera's on the sideline, Pouncey's sitting on the bench, Ben's over there standing by himself. There's nobody talking to anybody. Um, and, and another thing that's really striking watching them is it seems to me at the beginning of the year, they seem to have a game plan. And after, you know, a few games where there's a lot of film on this and defenses start making adjustments, it's like the Steelers throw up their hands and they have no answers to these adjustments. Mm. They keep doing the same thing over and over. And what's happening is they know the run game is basically non-existent. They're jamming all the receivers on the line of scrimmage. Ben can't hit the broad side of a barn over 10 yards right now. His arm just looks horrible. And in the press conferences, he goes, uh, we'll get it fixed. Well, <laughs> no, you're not. I mean, it, it's bad. It is bad. It's very bad right now. It's to the point where they may even lose the division to the Cleveland Browns of all teams who, yes, I was one of the people for the first time ever. I did jump on the Browns bandwagon this year because I like their uh, Kevin Stavansky coming in different story altogether. But the Steelers, man, yeah, uh, look, they can lose to the Browns coming up in the last week of the season and that might be a big thing. But yeah, they don't look good at all. I'm not going to say it's all because of James Conner. It's not. You know, I mean, he's a good running back, but that's not why Pittsburgh isn't scoring points. They were scoring points by throwing the ball predominantly and playing great defense. And 
Yes, losing Bud Dupree and Devin Bush, that's a killer. There's no doubt. But they've made up for it, and I've seen. And again, Mike Tomlin's one of my favorite coaches out there, no question about it. But I, the, the the lack of adjustments that he made, and I thought he was going to make those adjustments. It looked like they did at halftime. They come out, they score right away. But Cincinnati played tough. So Mike Tomlin right now, who could have been the head coach of the year, obviously, the way they were going, Losing three in a row, especially to Washington and Cincinnati. Again, Buffalo, we can understand. I don't know. We'll see what's coming up with them. Obviously, they're still in the playoffs. Um, they're likely to still win the division if they can pull out another game. But we'll see, Rick. Uh, this is this is definitely big-time stuff over here with them. I'm not sure what's happening with the terrible towel. It's just terrible. And it's I, terrible. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, just a, a little thing. If, if you're going to dance – on somebody's emblem. Oh, oh, God. Out there and look like a moron. <laughs> he is getting beaten to crud on social media for that one. He really is right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, a couple of my friends are telling me. Jason, I'll throw that on Tomlin. After the last, yes. after the last episode where, the, where they got stomped after he did that, he would not be doing that again. Uh, yes, that's uh, you know what that's very interesting. You're right now. Tomlin is that perfect combination of player coach, but you respect the man as if he was like you know a general, you know, in, in uh, the army or something like that. Everybody respects him. Then you see what Antonio Brown did, but that was an outlier. Usually, you know, they're a solid organization, but yeah, Juju, I, I don't know what's going on with that. And then on top of that, you know what? Dead injury to insult or whatever you want to call it. He's being made fun of left and right. And I am surprised Mike Tomlin would allow this to happen. Happen. I'm really blown away. So I don't know. Is it Ben being again old? I don't know. We're going to keep talking about it more. There's no doubt. But really shocking from 11-0 to losing their last three games. And it's not like they didn't need it. Kansas City was right there. So don't kid yourself. One thing I'm very confused about, and look, I, who's, let me ask you this before I even get into the question. Who's your team? Who's my team? Yeah. Pittsburgh. Do Pitt, you are Pittsburgh all the way? Sorry, I just wanted to make sure because I didn't want to get across to Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. I wanted to jump to the Jets for one second because we're going to talk about Pittsburgh down the line over here. The Jets, did they win or lose yesterday? <laughs> What's your opinion? Because they won the game, but – Maybe now they lost Trevor Lawrence, and is that what they wanted? Because real quickly, I'm of the belief that Sam Donald could do a good job. I'm not saying he's Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. I mean, they're talking about him as a generational type and not so much Sam Donald. But, you know, again, you put more weapons around him, I think they can win. So what do you make of all this? Let's say the Jets and the Jags both lose their last couple of games, and now Jacksonville's going to jump in and take Trevor Lawrence. Did the Jets screw themselves up, or did they save their season by not being embarrassed going 0-16? Well, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize. Sure, the fans say, oh, yeah, they should have tanked and we can get Trevor Lawrence. You know, number one, you can get Trevor Lawrence. That doesn't guarantee you he will live that first year with the shape that this team's in. Um, sure, that's <laughs> true. But second off, these players, I mean, a lot of these guys aren't stars, and they are playing for their jobs and their livelihood, and they don't go out there to lose. It doesn't matter if you're 0-14 or whatever the hell they are. You know, you go out there and you're trying to win a game. You're a professional football player. That's right. You know, the fans, they... What would they be? They'd be screaming their head off if they went out and laid down and got beat 80 to nothing. That's a good point. Where's the? Where do you draw the line? 
sure you lose. I mean, you know, it makes no sense. These guys have to take advantage of a, of a victory when they can because, like I said, they're playing for their jobs as well. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And I've been hearing a lot of this out of New York where my home state is. Stop whining. Just a whole bunch of whining, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said. There's a lot of whining about this. Where you know, Look, if I'm a player, I'm with you. I don't want to go 0-16. That's embarrassing. Everybody's going to remember the Lions forever because they went 0-16. It's not because they've never won a Super Bowl before. Tampa Bay, you don't really include in that. They were an expansion franchise. They played 14 games back then. So it's really Detroit, and the Jets did not want to get lumped in with them and lumped in with Cleveland also from a few years ago. You don't want that, so I'm happy for them, but maybe it did cost them Trevor Lawrence and a whole bright future, but... That, again, remains to be seen. You never, ever know. Not everybody really is a sure thing, even though they talk about him that way. Now, people thought Carson Wentz was a sure thing, but here comes Jalen Hurts because Carson Wentz is not playing well. And to prelude this, Rick, I just want to say that I still think Carson Wentz is a heck of a quarterback, all right? I've seen it. We've all seen it from the MVP. What I think and what I've been saying now for months is that things are in his head, that not just the fact that he got injured, the fact that Foles became the hero, he won the Super Bowl. Wentz keeps going to the playoffs, keeps getting knocked out. He got hurt again last year with Javian Clowney, terrible helmet-to-helmet hit. And he did not have a good team surrounding him this year and a really bad offensive line, in my opinion, where he didn't have a lot of time to throw. Now, Carson Wentz has made very bad throws, throws this year. There's no question I've been watching it. But my partner, Nikki Burrow, a great point. If he were in, uh, if he were in Indianapolis next year, Philip Rivers retires this year. Let's say if Carson Wentz got reunited with Frank Reich behind that offensive line, I believe that we would see the Carson Wentz we saw in 2017, 2018 before he got hurt. All right. All that being said, clump this in with Jalen Hurts and what you think should happen. Um, I I agree with you, especially. Yeah, I'm not even sure what. Phil Rivers' plans are, but depending on what the Colts do this year, it would not surprise me if Wright does go after him because, you know, they're like you said, they're very familiar with each other and uh, work well together. Uh, the Jalen Hurts thing, I'm, I, look, is, is there is it a really a good litmus test right now? Right, I mean, Philadelphia is a mess. Yeah. And, you know, Carson Wentz has been playing bad. He's making bad decisions. But you know, you can also attribute attribute that a lot maybe to maybe a little bit of shell shock. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he's running for his life every sure. time he gets the ball, it seems like. They, they're kind of in the same situation with Pittsburgh. They can't seem to run the football. He certainly doesn't have a lot of weapons on, on the outside. And, you know, they just need a lot of help. They do. They need tremendous help. And the thing is with quarterbacks, you have to be more athletic these days. You know, it's not about just changing to like a college system necessarily. You know, even a guy like Josh Allen, who's huge, is athletic. And that plays a big part into it because these defensive ends and these linebackers or even safeties, they're faster, bigger, stronger than they've ever been before. So you need to have that getaway speed. That's why Deshaun Watson, Kyla Murray, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, all these guys have great success, you know, getting out of the pocket and doing their thing. So maybe they're looking at Jalen Hurts as, you know, you know, more new age. Let's go this way. So far, he's looked pretty good. Um, I know they lost this past week, whatever, but 
So far, he's looked pretty good. We're going to see what they're going to do. He's going to go continue throughout the year. And already, you know, Carson Wentz is crying, you know, trade me this, do that. I can't see him being a bench quarterback with all that money. And again, there's few teams that can do that. But the Colts are one of them that would be able to afford to do that with Phillip Rivers off their books. So let's see if that does happen or even somewhere else. I just think he needs out of Philly with a clear mind, go somewhere else and show what he can do. So let's see what happens with that, Rick. Rick, uh, One more question in neighborhood news over here. Do you think Cam Newton is going to be a Patriot next season? No, I do not. I, I, I think that that, uh, that ship has passed, quite frankly. They're mm. out of the playoffs, first time, God, what, 20 years? I don't even know. Yeah. But, uh, look, Cam Newton is not Cam Newton anymore. I mean, let, let's face it, he... He never was a really prolific passer, especially completion-wise. He's right around 60%. We all know his greatest asset was his size, his speed, and his legs. He's taken a hell of a pounding over the years, and he's just not the same guy anymore. Yeah, he started off great um, this year. He was kind of fresh, hadn't been playing, and, you know, looked pretty good. But, you know, a guy like that, he, me and uh, – Rick, the other Rick Flieger, have been talking about this on our show, you know, over the last couple of years with Cam Newton. He really reminds me a lot of a Dante Culpepper, big, strong, fast, mm. and made a made a splash. He better, I think, than Culpepper, and Culpepper tore his knee up. But the wear and tear on on such a physical player, I think it just has worn him down. He's had shoulder trouble. He's had, you know, a lot of, you know injuries that weren't maybe devastating but they take their toll after a while yeah he is he doesn't look healthy when he's out there it almost looks like he struggles to throw the ball 20 yards so I know what you're saying definitely I still think there's work that needs to be done there I agree I don't think that he'll be there I think there's going to be other quarterbacks definitely on the market um just to go with this whole Patriot thing in the quarterback because I agree that Cam is not going to be that guy um, that's not Belichick's style, even though, again, he, he leaves the offense to Josh McDaniels. Uh, they'd rather stick with what they did best, and maybe bringing in a Matt Ryan or a Matthew Stafford somehow would make that work. Because, you know what, Belichick, I don't know how much longer he wants to stay around, but if he can win another one with Ryan, who's 35, and Stafford, who's around the same age, one or two possibly, get in a wide receiver, do you think either one of them would you know, be a much better fit, or are they kind of past their prime? probably still some gas in their tank I, I'm just you know I'm not sure what the contract structure is for either one of those and you know or does Belichick get his way and go back after Garoppolo and bring him back I don't know mm. you know what I'm saying yep. he has he has a, a way about him that that seems to be is his way or the highway and you know I, I just don't know I think uh, Matt Stafford yeah, look, look, you talk about Carson Wentz needs to get out of Philadelphia. There's a guy who needs to get out of Detroit. And yeah. Slugging around his whole career. I know. He's the quarterback of the Barry Sanders of the Detroit world over there, really. You know, just like no help. Yeah, no doubt about that. But, you know, yeah, time will tell. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks in play, I think. And, um, you know, it's hard to say with New England. They never cease to surprise. 
That's very true. And look, exactly. And Belichick is an absolute, Belichick's a genius, all right? He really is. And I still think he did a pretty damn good job this year with what he had. Look, half his team decided not to even show up because of COVID. So we had to work with a whole bunch of guys that we didn't know. Sonny Michelle on IR basically the entire year. Rex Burkhead disappeared. You know, you don't even know these guys, you know, Bird and, and Jacoby Myers. So he didn't have much to deal with. Um, I, I think that he'd be much better suited off with another pocket passer and getting some help over there and getting his guys back next year. You know, we'll see about that. We'll see what happens. But that's what they need because now you're in an NFC East division where it's competitive all of a sudden with Miami and Tua and Josh Allen and Buffalo. The Jets, no, not yet. But Miami and Buffalo alone needs, you know, the Patriots got to wake up and they got to start doing some stuff over here. So if they don't do it quick, they're not going to be one of those teams that we talk about anymore for a while. They really won't be. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I, I agree. Yep. They're going to. Yeah, well, we'll see. So they're out of it this year. We'll see what happens next year and who they do go after. You know, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo real, real quick. I'm a 49ers fan. And yes, he brought us to the Super Bowl last year. Well, excuse me. Let me let me rephrase. He helped us get to the Super Bowl last year. He couldn't win it. He really, you know, again, we were a running team defense. To me, if Belichick wants him, you can have him back. But then again, I don't want Matt Ryan necessarily, and I don't want Matthew Stafford. I'd almost rather have maybe Sam Darnold, as crazy as it sounds, or just another type of quarterback who, who can run that system and maybe has some legs to it. You know, I don't know. Marcus Mariota is not the type of guy I want, but I, just, just something. Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, is too much of a statue. But, yeah, Belichick is – David Carr? I, I, yeah, I would go with De- – look, I would take Derek Carr in, in a heartbeat. I would. I would love to take Derek Carr. You know who else would love to take Derek Carr? Tampa Bay, because all they want to do is throw the ball down the freaking field, and he's pretty damn good at that. They should pick him up next year if Brady decides to retire. So, yeah, with the 49ers, yeah, I'm looking to revamp this quarterback thing. Jimmy G is not the answer uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know what? If you want a Belichick, you're the greatest. You go take him, and you go do what you wanted to do with him three or four years ago or whatever it was. All right? So, (laughs) I I agree. I just, uh, you know, but sometimes – you know, the, the mind of Belichick, you know, it always seems to confound everybody that thinks they're an expert. You know what I'm saying? It's true. It's true. You're right. You look at the roster. You know, again, Cam got signed, like, what, a week before the season started? And and look what they were doing. People were talking about, oh, my God, the Patriots, maybe they actually will win the division. Then it was, oh, maybe they'll make the playoffs. But you know what? They fell off, and that was expected to happen, especially when you run into some good teams. And, look, that's the way it went. Hey, they could have won in Seattle. They could have won that Buffalo game when Cam fumbled the ball. So, again, it's a game of inches. Some It's a game of turnovers. Things do happen. And crazy things happen like last week. The Raiders had to beat the Chargers, who had, what, two wins on the entire year in order to keep themselves in real playoff contention because even though they're mathematically still in it right now, Rick, they're done as far as I'm concerned. To me, there's no way that that they're going to make it back. They're going to get back in the playoffs. I mean, you still got the Colts in Tennessee. We're going to get to the playoff picture, but I'm terribly disappointed in the Raiders for not being able to beat the Chargers, who have been a bad team all year long, despite Justin Herbert's success. So I don't know if that goes more on Gruden or more on the players, but bad, bad, bad out of Las Vegas. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. And, you know, of course, Let's face it, the Chargers are being the Chargers. Now that they're out of it, they decide they want to play football. Of course. But, you know, but, you know, and it's a division game, and you can't take those things lightly. But, 
that's what makes the teams that win it special. Because when it comes to a team that you should win, but like we said, division games are, are never easy. And, but they win those games. It's the ones that can't seem to get over that hump and mire around in, in mediocrity. Those are the ones that, that just frustrate the hell out of fans. Yeah. And, you know, here's the Raiders. They're a classic example of it right now. <laughs> and you ain't telling me, hey, listen, I don't know, just win, baby. It's right now they're just losing, man. That's all, I, that's all I'm seeing. You know, another team that I want to go to, even two teams for that matter, you know, now the Washington football team is leading the NFC East uh, a game ahead of the Giants. Again, if the Giants do end up with the same record, they will win the division based upon them beating Washington twice this year. But Washington almost came back on the Seahawks, again, who have been having trouble, ups and downs, really for the most part of the second half of the season. Now, they got the win 20 to 15. Seattle is a team that you think is what come playoff time? Seattle is one of those teams that if Russell Wilson is on, they can make a very deep run. But if they run into somebody akin to that Washington front seven that seemed to contain him a bit, they're in trouble because their defense isn't nearly as good as the old you know, Legion of Boom and everything of a few years ago. They've given up 339 points in 14 games. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not what you expect from, you know, the old, what you think of when you're thinking about Seattle. And, you know, they, right now they're depending on Russell Wilson on that, in that offense. And, you know, the old cliche, defense wins championships. Uh, you know, that's still true. I mean, you know, um, Kansas City, you know, their defense isn't, you know, one that's going to be akin to the steel curtain, but they're, they're playing good when they have to. Um, even the Pittsburgh defense still not giving up a lot of points. It's the offense that's floundering. So right. I mean, Seattle's going to be in a world, world of hurt if they run into a, uh, you know, just a, a, a bad half even of offense. And, you know, when you start getting into playoffs, you're going against the cream of the crop. And, uh, I don't look for them to make a, a hugely deep run if things stay the same. Now, their defense has been improving somewhat right? Um, it has. Know, in the second half of the season. So, I mean, it's not like it's all doom and gloom coming out of Seattle. Yeah, Jamal Adams has definitely helped since he got healthy and came back. And, you know, Quentin Dunbar has also come back. So, yeah, they're looking better. But, like you said, they're not the Legion of Boom, what they were years ago. So they can be scored upon. And now they're not scoring as much as we thought they would. So, you know, again, relying on Russell Wilson too much. And Chris Carson had been out for a while. So they haven't had a consistent running game either. You know, there's no Marshawn Lynch back there anymore. So, yeah, it's been all on Russell Wilson this year. And there's no way he would have thrown 13. He's got 13 picks right now. There's no way that happens if he's under that much pressure. So, my MVP, who was him preseason, is definitely out of it now. It's between Rodgers and Mahomes, and we'll talk more about that. But I want to get into another game with you. Not even the game so much, but, uh, you know, again, the fact that the Dolphins won against a tough Patriot defense and Bill Belichick and a very important game with a rookie quarterback that Belichick usually eats up. And for the most part, he did. They kept him in check for a while, but the Dolphins' defense was good enough to make sure they made plays and not let the Patriots move. And the Dolphins were able to score 22 points 
Again, not an exciting game, 22-12, to 12, but the Dolphins put themselves in much better position now to make the playoffs, and if they do, are they for real? Well, there's one stat to look at um, if, if you're looking at the Miami Dolphins. That's a defense that's given up the fewest points in the league right now. Mm. And, yep. you know, they're 9-5. and five. Um, they, They're, you know, they're middle of the pack as far as scoring-wise, but when you've given up the fewest amount of points, I think you're always alive. And, you know, talked about this on our show. I'm sure you probably did, too, when, when, when it happened. Were you in favor at the time of them benching Fitzpatrick and going with Tua? Uh, uh, yes, I was. I thought it was time to do it because that was the future. Yes. It, it was a future, but, but it wasn't like they were two and four or anything of that. I mean, they were actually winning. In fact, they were coming off, you know, that Monday night game, you know, and they're, you know, they just seemed like they were having a blash, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick fist pumping and they were just, you know, and I'm not saying it was a wrong decision, but it just, it almost seemed like the timing was off, but this team still hasn't missed a beat. And, you know, I just right. think that that is, you know, I think you have a very, very solid team if you can make a drastic change basically in the middle of the season. You know, when you have a winning record and you bench the starting quarterback, that's pretty drastic if you think about it. It definitely is. And, you know, obviously it's under different circumstances. And I'm glad you brought this up. We're up against a commercial break right now, so we're only going to take a 60-second break and we'll be right back. I definitely want to talk more about this Dolphins tour and the time that they brought him in while you said Fitzpatrick and was leading that team to good things. Hey, you guys are listening to the Power 32 podcast. I got Rick Briggs with me. We're coming back in 60 seconds. More football for you. Hang in there. That's right. That's the good stuff right there. Power 32 podcast. We're back kicking your ass over here. Jason Fearman in the house. You know what's up. Part of the third and three podcast team. We're back tomorrow night. Actually, luckily, after my partner over here right now, Mr. Rick Briggs, Flea Rick Briggs will be done with their show. Ours is going to start after theirs. So you know what? It's already a tag team action there, Mr. Briggs. It's working out beautifully. That's right. One sh- one great show after another, my friend. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Hey, we keep talking NFL over here. This is what we do. We know the NBA starts tonight, and I'm very happy about that. But for me, the NBA doesn't get going really until the last play of the NFL season. So we're sticking with NFL all the way. And we left off talking about Tua. And, Rick, you brought up a great question and a discussion or a debate, whatever you want to call it, about the fact that they brought in Tua when Ryan Fitzpatrick was hot, the Dolphins were winning, they were looking really good, and they had their bye coming up. And apparently um, uh, Fitzpatrick was blindsided by this when we saw him on social media. Now, I don't like that part of it, but the part I do like is that they brought in Tua, and here's why. You drafted him number five overall. You don't want to really waste him. But even more than that, 
the Dolphins knew that they're not a Super Bowl team. So if they went to the playoffs, if they didn't go to the playoffs, it's all about developing Tua this year. And you know what? He went in and the first game he played to me, he looked like he's been playing for the past five years. I was incredibly impressed with what he did. But even going further, he's a guy who apparently doesn't turn the ball over. He's not going to make mistakes, but the team needed to see what he was going forward. Let him take his lumps, knowing the fact that they're really not going to be in it toward the end of the year. That's why I was totally cool with the move because, again, I knew that Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't going to take him to the promised land, Rick. So that's why I had no problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you, and you know, I'm not so sure that they would agree with you right now that they don't think that they can get somewhere. Yeah, you got a good point. That's a good point. Playing great football. Maybe part of that is because of two. Also, who knows? But yeah, but but continue with your point. You're. I guess the original point was it's when a decision like that is made, I, I'm not in, in the team is winning and you pull the starting quarterback. I guess my point is that the coaching staff who obviously know that team a lot more than you or I do know what kind of a core and a base that they had to be able to do that. Look, you know, Gaskin has supplied a nice spark in the, in the run game. The defense, like, well, we've already covered that, given up the fewest points in the league so far. And, you know, the, they didn't I, – I guess the point was they didn't have to ask too much out of Tua right away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's and true. He let, he let him get the feel of the game, which a lot of teams can't do that. You know, they, they throw like, a, you know, we can worry about a Trevor Lawrence no matter where he goes. He's liable to, to lose three or four teeth in the first couple of games. So sure. It's just because some of these teams are such a mess when they get these quote-unquote franchise quarterbacks where, where some of them don't work out. But I, I agree with you. I think this was just a perfect scenario, and this is working out fantastic for Tua. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. You know what? Got to give so much props to Brian Flores for what they did. Like you mentioned last year, tanking for two, and now they went like 0-8, 0-9, whatever, 0-10 to begin this. It was horrible. You know, it looked like they were, but they ended up, I think, finishing 5-11 and or whatever it was. So Brian Flores started turning around that team at the second half of last year and obviously going into this year where I am still shocked. I mean, I, I knew they'd be a pretty good team, like 8-8 eight and eight maybe, but – not this good. So I give him a hell of a lot of props, Brian, Brian Flores. And it's kind of ironic that we're going to talk about coaches a little bit later. And he is going to be up for that for that candidate. Uh, he's going to be a candidate for that award, I think, no doubt. So a lot goes to him. Again, he's from that Belichick tree. And look, the Dolphins doing great right now. They got percentage points ahead of the Baltimore Ravens. If things stay that way, Miami will be in the playoffs. We will get to that and then some. Here's a little bit more. The Titans and the Colts both won, all right? Uh, Tennessee beat the Lions, to be expected, obviously, and the Colts beat the Texans, also to be expected, but a divisional game, and the Colts beat them twice. They split with with Tennessee once this year. They both kind of went back and forth clobbering each other. Derrick Henry had his day. Rivers had his day. At the end of the day, now where the Titans sit percentage points, even with the same record, uh, ahead of Indianapolis right now, and I picked the Colts to win the division, so I'm a little upset about that. Who do you like more um, 
whether it's to win the division or going forward in the playoffs, who's got a better chance? Is it Derrick Henry in the running game or the Colts with that great defense? You know, I like the way Derrick Henry seems to get stronger as the year goes on and defenses seem to wear down quicker when they face him. And, you know, they proved it last year. They, you know, they went to the the conference final. And, you know, Indianapolis, great defense. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. Um, I'm still a little dubious about Phil Rivers, quite frankly. I mean, he's been on Charger teams that had a ton of talent. And Mm. for some reason, they could always find a way to lose it. So from that perspective, I like Tennessee going into the playoffs a little bit better than Indianapolis. I can certainly understand that, and people tend to forget they were in the AFC Championship last year, and Ryan Tannehill is not a game manager. He's much better. Now with really Corey Davis stepping up, you got another wide receiver to match with A.J. Brown. They are dangerous. Their defense is the thing. It's like, okay, well, what kind of game are we going to get out of them this week? So that's what you worry about. You don't worry about that with the Colts as much, but they don't have, again, as much firepower on offense. So I agree with you there. But Phillip Rivers is just kind of doing his thing. He's never had an offensive line like this before, which certainly helps out. I think that Frank Reich has also helped to improve his game. Turnovers way down. He's not got, he doesn't have glaring numbers. But with the emergence of Jonathan Taylor now, their rookie running back, if they can run and play defense, that's a team that you don't want to run into in the playoffs. But I also agree that Tennessee – you know, my uh, my co-host Nikki on Third and Three podcast with Damian, uh, she calls uh, Derrick Henry, you know, Mister December because, like you said, he just gets better and better and better as the year goes on. So that will be tough, and it's a very very small lining between those two teams. They both get in the playoffs. It's a matter of who wins the division. So we'll go with that. Um, let's get. Uh, maybe just one more game here from last week, and then I want to get to our top 10 teams. Uh, guys, we each have a list there. Listen for you on uh, Power 32 podcast over here, again, presented by Anchor Radio and the Sports Column. We appreciate it. And again, shout out to my people at 3rd and 3 Podcast. One more game over here before our top 10, the Chiefs and the Saints. We saw the game. It wasn't pretty to begin with. Um, I think the Saints played great on defense despite giving up 32 points. It got a little sloppy there in certain points of the game. Um, Drew Brees certainly did not look his best. I mean, he's definitely still in pain. He's not able to make them big throws. No more Michael Thomas. He's on IR right now. The Chiefs win by a field goal. So how do you feel about the Chiefs going on the road, winning against one of the better defenses in the league, and Drew Brees, all right, by a field goal, and the Saints, for the matter of, all right, no Michael Thomas. We just got Drew Brees back. We still feel good about this game. You know, I don't like moral victories, but is there one in there? Or is it, again, the Chiefs just like, you know what, you can't beat us? You know, I, I think there is a bit of a moral victory there. Number one, Drew Brees, you know, not only did he hang in there, he started to come alive a little bit through three touchdowns. And, you know, they came back and, you know, I, you know, I had actually the Saints in the Super Bowl in my preseason predictions. No. And, you know, I felt really good about them until this injury to Drew Brees. And I, I'm feeling a little bit better about that. Look, I mean, 
you know, spoiler alert, the Chiefs are the best team in football right now. <laughs> and, you know, I think, I think Drew Brees, even without Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas really has been an enigma this year compared to last year. Absolutely. And, you know, so I don't think the Michael Thomas thing, obviously he's going to be missed tremendously, but you still have Kamara, you have Sanders, um, you know, and, you know, they just have a plethora of weapons on there, and, and Drew Brees throws a million different people anyway. So, you know, I don't think that's going to kill them. Obviously, any player of that caliber is going to hurt you, but I still think they're one of the better teams in football. Oh, they sure are. They're one of the better teams in football, and tease, tease, we're about to get to that right now. Uh, again, I'll just say uh, – you know, it's not Breeze again so much that worries me. It's now, you know, Emmanuel Sanders being the number one guy. And if they, you know, defenses try to lock down on him, it's who else do you throw to? Yeah, you got Jared Cook, but I don't know. Other guys try to emerge like Trey Quan Smith. I just think that Michael Thomas thing is going to be a really tough one if he's not even able to come back for the playoffs. I'm not sure if it's a four-game IR. So we'll see how this all plays out. But, um, no, the Saints uh, definitely played their butts off, especially in the second half. And you're right, Drew Brees looked much better. Um, the Saints are de- definitely one of the top teams out there. There's no question about it. So I'm with you. And speaking of which, let, let's do it. Let's get to our top ten teams right now, guys. Um, look, we did speak before the show, Rick and I, and we said, look, let's make our top ten teams in the NFL right now. So we both did that. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ten to six – all right, Rick is going to give you his first, then I'll do mine. We'll compare a little bit. I'm not sure what he's got. We did not discuss our teams at all. So all that will be a surprise. And then we'll go five to one. So Rick, even before we get into it, from nine and 10, I had like five or six different teams that were running through my head. So I can't wait to hear what you got in comparison to what mine are. And my little honorable mentions over there don't count. I'm going to stick with my list, but what was your number 10 going down to your number six with a tiny explanation for each? Okay, I'm going to have a bit of a caveat. I got a tie at 10. I just I just couldn't throw either one of them out. I got Cleveland, Miami. Okay. And, and, and we've already covered Miami. I, you know, I really love their defense. Cleveland, look, they're 10. This, this is a little stat that, that's interesting to me. Cleveland is a 10-win team and they still have a negative point differential for the year. Yeah, I know. That's something else, right? Yeah. That Ravens game in the beginning, I know. They're, they're playing much better, and, um, you know, and, and they could still win the division. So I've got Cleveland, Miami at 10-9. I've got uh, Tampa Bay. Okay. Um, I still think they're a little vulnerable. Um, they, they keep winning – when you think they're about done, and then they turn around and they, and they pull off a nice win. Uh, eight, I have Baltimore. Look, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, and they're starting to look more like the Ravens. Uh, we just covered number seven, Tennessee. Uh, they're getting stronger as they go. And, um, you know, I think they can make a deep run. And six, I got Seattle. And I, and I think a lot of it is going to be how that offense keeps clicking with Russell Wilson. I'm, all right, I like everything that you said right there, and all the teams that you mentioned, I have down. Now, not some of them are on the bubble on the outside, so we don't have the same exact teams, but we do have a lot of the same teams, not necessarily in the same order. Uh, Cleveland, Miami, I got no problem. I do ties all the time at the bottom of my list because it does get really hard, so I'm cool with that Cleveland, Miami tie over there. Um, again, I'm going to get to my list and tell you where they're at. Tampa Bay, 
yeah, hell of a comeback yesterday. So when you can do that and Tom Brady's 79 years old, then yeah, give props right there. Baltimore, still an excellent team. Tennessee, what we see in Seattle's got Russell Wilson. So I totally understand. And speaking of Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, they're my number 10. And that's only again, because I'm not so impressed with the defense like we talked about, and they're not scoring points like they were earlier this season. It seemed like they were scoring 35, 40 points every game. I don't know where that went. That's not happening right now unless they're playing, you know, the Jets or something like that. So I'm not overly impressed with that team. I got them at 10. I got the Titans at nine. I know you got them at seven. I got them at nine. They could be a little bit higher. But again, I worry about that defense a little bit, but their offense is very potent. The Browns at eight, so I'm with you there. They're in my top 10, no doubt about it. Again, I said this is the first year that I said that Cleveland is going to make the playoffs, you know, no Super Bowl or anything like that, but I totally believed in them, believed in their coach and their running game, and it's all working out. So I got them at eight. I got the Ravens at seven just ahead of them because they beat them twice, and they do have more talent that's ready to spark with Lamar Jackson, I think. And then at six, even though what happened last night, I can't get completely deterred away from the fact that they still have a solid team, and that's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers at number six. So again, 10 down to six, Seattle, Tennessee, Cleveland, Baltimore, and then Pittsburgh. So out of those that I named, is there any one that you have a problem with that you would throw out immediately and say, I'm not sure why you have that one there? I have one of them not in my top ten, and right now that's Pittsburgh. That's okay. That I, I was thinking I mean, that. I was thinking. You know, and look, I, they're, they're my team, and obviously, you know, if, I, if I'm doing the Homer thing. But from what I've, you know, been watching, and you know, of course, we see so much around here about them. You know, the inside scoop and so forth, and it's just I, I'm I'm really starting to. Doubt them. I mean, look, they've got Indianapolis and Cleveland to go, and you know, I could very well see them closing out the year with five straight losses and one done in the playoffs. It's just, it's that bad right now. I mean, they turn around and you know, come up with some great performance against Indianapolis. Sure, I'll stick them back in, but but you got to show me this is this is three weeks in a row of abysmal failure that's just getting worse by the week. Man, yeah, I hear the love and the hate coming out of you right now. I understand. And, yeah, look, the Steelers, I I, I did go a lot back and forth. They were going to be in my top ten somewhere. I just wasn't sure again. But they have beaten some of these other teams, you know, like the Browns. They beat the Ravens twice now. Before they lost to Washington a couple of weeks, before they lost to Washington, they were looking, again, sluggish and not so great and everything. Again, when they lost powerhouse defensive players like Bush and Dupree, that's going to hurt as well on defense, especially making Mick and Fitzpatrick have to do a little bit more back there. But when you go 11-0, and 0, I, I, I don't think that's a fluke, especially with all the COVID and everything they had to deal with and moving games, this and there, not having a bye week and all that sort of stuff. So I still have faith in the team and I have faith in Mike Tomlin that they can get it turned around. So I, I can't flip my script that much too much on your team yet there, Rick. Um, they still well, got. I appreciate that, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do. It's, it's better coming out of somebody else's mouth sometimes, right? You know? But, uh, exactly. I, I think that they still have time to turn it around. No, they're not going to get the buy now, obviously, and they're behind the Bills in the playoff picture, which we're going to get to. But don't count your Steelers out yet when you got Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger and a defense that still should be and could be doing their job. So 
All right, we got our 10 through 6 there. Now let's get to our 5 through 1, which should be very interesting. I, You know, 1, probably not a big argument, but uh, let's see what 5 through 1 are right here. What do you got for us? Well, number 5 right now, I got the Colts. Uh, we Ooh. talked about Tennessee and, and, and the Colts earlier, and, uh, you know, they, they've got that good defense, and if Phil Rivers keeps playing like he's doing, you know, under the, you know, uh, what, what they're doing on offense, I, I really like the Colts. I mean, they're a complete team with Taylor. I mean, Hines is always dangerous coming out of another weapon. Yep. Yeah, you know, T.Y. Hilton coming back to the T.Y. Hilton that we've seen, you know, in the past. And it seems like they're really starting to hit their stride. And, I mean, this, this is going to be a, a, a huge litmus test coming up against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and I've seen – you know, Phil Rivers as, as a Charger crush our spirit, you know, <laughs> yeah. in Pittsburgh a few times, too. So, I mean, it's not like he's a stranger. And, <laughs> um, you know, I think this is going to be a, a, a real test. And, but I like Indianapolis going into this game right now. Number four, I've got New Orleans. Um, they showed a lot against Kansas City. And I think Breeze is back. Look, you're not going to make up the loss of, of uh, Michael Thomas, but they still got a good defense. We talked about the weapons they have, and uh, they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with in the NFC, which is, you know, doesn't lend, if you look at our top ten, doesn't lend the majority of the teams. Uh, Buffalo is number three. Um, I think my only gripe with Buffalo is, is their defense can be suspect at times. But with Josh Allen in the way they're running that offense, they can throw some points up there. So I've got Buffalo. And look, one and two is pretty simple. I've got Green Bay at two, and I've got Kansas City at one. Wow, man. I got to tell you something right there. When you're talking, you're going down your list. You know, I wasn't sure where you were going to go. But I guess that you're inside my head or I'm in yours or great minds think alike. Because not only do we have the same teams, we have the same freaking order, bro. The same exact, (laughs) exact order. And for all the reasons that you said, I don't even have to mention much more. Yep, Colts at five. Rivers get the ball out in 2.5 seconds, get, get six, seven-yard clumps at a time. And then again, Jonathan Taylor, like you mentioned, Naheem Hines had been a godsend for this team in the middle of the year because without him, they would have had a lot of trouble and Rivers would have had to throw the ball 60 times. So Naheem Hines did a great job coming out of the backfield. The Saints still got all those players. Drew Brees get healthy. Okay, the Bills, I thought a little bit about putting them higher. but they all, And then I also thought as great as Josh Allen is, there's Aaron Rodgers, and then there again is Patrick Mahomes at number one. But again, the team all together, yeah, the Chiefs, they're the champions, and they only have one loss. They have the best record in the league. They're the best team in the league. The Packers are the best team in the NFC, I think, now, especially with Thomas out and, and the thing with the Saints. But um, as far as the Bills go, I'd put them up against anybody. And if we have to mention one team that could or would beat the Chiefs, there's probably two out there, and they're the ones that are right behind them. If you agree, the Packers could beat them because they can put up points. They don't have the greatest defense in the world. They don't have a great run defense, and the Chiefs don't have a great run offense. So that could be in their favor if they do end up meeting in the Super Bowl, Rick. And another thing with the Bills, if they play in the AFC Championship against the Chiefs, the Bills can go score for score with them as well. So, you know, the Chiefs are number one. I'm with you all the way. 
but the Bills have got to scare the hell out of them, and the Packers are definitely up there. And again, our five through one are exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Right now, Kansas City is the benchmark because if you're getting into a horse race or a slugfest, however you want to put it, offensively, there's very few teams that's going to be able to keep up with that. Green Bay, Buffalo, and throw in the Saints um, if they get clicking. So, I mean, there's not many offenses out there if Kansas City gets on that spur. We all remember that playoff game last year. I forget what it was. I think, what, Houston spotted them 21 points. Oh, yeah. Yep, 24. You know, and, and it just didn't matter. So, you know, you have to have an, an offense that can run up and down the field. And there's not that many teams that can do that. But, I mean, you know, we just mentioned Green Bay, Buffalo, and the Saints, really, are about the only ones that can really do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's it. Because, you know, while you're talking, I'm thinking about, well, can the Colts do it with that offense? And the Colts have had success against Patrick Mahomes. Um, they beat them uh, last year, as a matter of fact. I think the game was in Indy. I don't remember. But they did beat them in a very low scoring game. I think it was like 13 to 10. So I love the way that the Colts are coached. Um, but offensively, you're right. I don't know if they can keep up and they may wear out the defense right there. So you're 100% correct. If you're going to beat Kansas City, you have to be able to put up 35 points at least. So I think the Packers and the Bills can do that and the Saints can do that. I don't know if any of the other teams can do that. Although sometimes Tennessee, you know, they put up like 40 points. Like, wow, how did that happen? You know, I don't know if they can do that against the Chiefs, especially with Derrick Henry and Tannehill if he's on top of his game. So maybe even though we have them a little bit lower, they could make a little bit of noise, the Titans, like they did last year where nobody thought they would. Well, you brought up a great point. You know, that's the key with the Titans. You know, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, if you can't beat them in a horse race, keep Mahomes off the field. Right. And that's what they can do, you know, with with the ball control type of offense. And, um, you know, just keep them, you know, within reason, you know, with your defense, and then you can actually beat them. But, I mean, that's easier said than done. But, you know, you have to control the clock and keep Mahomes off the field. Yes, that's a huge part of it. The less he's on the field, the less scoring they're going to do. It's not like the defense is a turnover machine. You know, a couple other teams before we go to uh, one more break, and then we're going to come back. Obviously, we're going to do the playoff picture in a couple of Week 16 games. I thought about the Cardinals a little bit, but I'm like, ah, no, they're not better than the Bucks. I thought about the – now, let me tell you, the Rams – would have been in there if they had beaten the Jets. I don't know how, again, I, I, we're not going to go through it because it's going to take up too much time and we're going to need to call a therapist on the other line to help us out and figure this whole thing out. But if the Rams had beaten the Jets somewhat convincingly like they should, I probably would have had them somewhere around seven or eight because they've been looking really good for a while. And then all of a sudden this happens yesterday. So the Rams, they can't be a championship type of team if they're going to have a game like that against a team who hasn't won a game all year. I agree. I, I, I was just like you. I would have had the Rams in there, obviously, if they'd have pounded the Jets like they should have. Arizona certainly crossed my mind. I love Kyler Murray. Um, I, I like the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, could they still be dangerous and make some noise? Yeah, I just don't think that they're quite there yet. And I'll tell you what, not that I'm throwing them in there, but just a kind of a off-the-radar thing, a question to you, I guess. Has, does it look, do you think that Matt Nagy may have figured something out in Chicago? You know, those last, last couple of weeks, they have looked 
great on offense. Well, I mean, we know their defense is okay, but you know they they never could get them off the field. Now all of a sudden, David Montgomery's running with purpose, yep. and they're actually passing the football. This has been. I'm, I'm I'm so glad you brought it up because I hadn't thought of it, and we have a, we have a few minutes left to talk about this before we go to our next break. So I'm happy about it. Let's talk about it right now. In the beginning of the year, when when they were what five and oh, five and one, whatever it was, I'm I'm like Matt Nagy's the coach of the year because they got no players. You know, they switch quarterbacks, and look what's going on. They keep winning and winning, and they're in first place. And then all of a sudden, bam, they had the draft. They lose six games in a row and everything. We all know the story, Nick Foles. But now in comes Mitch Trubisky, and you're right, they're scoring points. But now here comes the problem. The defense is letting up more points now. So, yes, I think they found something that they shouldn't have lost to begin with. And I'm not a big Mitch Trubisky guy, but I would have definitely had him in over Nick Foles day one. And they shouldn't have taken him out in that Atlanta Falcon game, which was week three, because they were going 3-0 and with Trubisky. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. And that's what they did. They they broke it. That's exactly what happened. Nick Foles only works in Philadelphia, all right? You can't fix a, fix, put a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work out that way. So to answer your question, yeah. Is it too little too late? No, maybe not. Maybe they can sneak in over one of these NFC teams over here at the bottom, which we're going to go over in the playoff picture. So uh, Matt Nagy kind of rejuvenated himself to answer your question in that way, where I thought he was going to be actually coach of the year until that debacle. But it, it may be too little too late, Rick, but I agree with what you're saying. But then again, I don't know. Is Mitchell Trubisky just doing this for a few games and he's going to come back next week and screw everything up? I mean, time will tell, but, you know, at least I do like seeing David Montgomery actually running the football and they're using him as a running back. Yes. You know, it, it seemed like it was, I don't know, you know, everybody thought Matt Nagy was going to have this, you know, this real extravagant offense and it turned out to be sluggish, you know, almost a dud. And now all of a sudden, and, and, and you know, let, let's, let's face facts here. As guys that make predictions and common commentary, I have to own that I predicted that Nick Foles would be the starter and have a decent year in Chicago. I thought he had enough weapons there. Look, I'm convinced now the guy, if you get him out of Philadelphia, he can't play football. Yep, that's exactly right. Hey, look, at least do a half right on that prediction, so it's not too bad right there. I'll, I'll give you part of that. But, yeah, that uh, you know that could have screwed a lot of things up. It could have cost Matt Nagy his job. I don't know. But if they can sneak into the playoffs somehow, some way, you know, again, over uh, one of the last teams, again, that we're going to go through right now. I'm forgetting who the seventh seed is off the top of my head. I don't know why. If it's I think it's Arizona. So we'll see if Arizona, you know, has a little hiccup at the end of the year and Chicago can win these next two games. They can do it. It's definitely possible. But again, it's always, is Mitch Trubisky going to show up? We're going to show up. We're coming back. We got another segment for you. We're still talking NFL football over here. This is the Power 32 podcast with Rick Briggs of Flieger and Briggs. We're going to give out all the information later so you know where to listen, where to follow, all that great stuff. Asylum football. Oh, God, I love it. Rick so glad you're in here right now. Again, one quick more commercial break, 30 seconds, and we'll be right back, guys.
All right, we're mellowing into our last segment, NFL action over here on Power 32 Podcast, baby. You know how it's going down. Ain't no clown around here. We only got the big boys in. That's why Rick Briggs is here from Flieger and Briggs. Again, Rick, it's been such a pleasure having you over here, mixing up the NFL knowledge with me. I really appreciate it, brother. Oh, no, it's all my pleasure, Jason. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, we just talk off the air there. I can't believe that uh, that much time has flown by already. It just seemed like we got started. I, it's amazing. that That's what happens. You, you talk football, you talk things you love. It's just time goes away. It, it's amazing. If we talked football forever, it would feel like our lives lasted about 16 minutes. So thank God that we take breaks for a little while. There you go. So. All right, we promised a little playoff picture action, so that's what we're going to get into now. It is not set yet, so we're not going to get so much into the seedings as much as we're going to get into who's still got a chance. All right, so let's go to the AFC real quick. We know KC's got the number one. The Bills got the number two last night via the Steelers' loss and the Bills' head-to-head win over the Steelers. So that's one, two, three. The Titans got the four spot currently, even though they're tied record-wise with Indianapolis. They got the... Uh, percentage points, Cleveland Browns, 10-4 and four at number five. There's the Colts at six and the Dolphins at seven with a 9-5 and five record. And so do the Baltimore Ravens have a 9-5 and five record. They have a gimme this week, if you want to call it that, or some may call it a trap game. Let's see what happens. They're playing the Jaguars, Rick. So before we get to the Dolphins, should the Ravens, look, John Harbaugh is not going to let them fall into a trap game here, is he? Well, Mike Tomlin wasn't going to fall into yeah, a trap, and, and I'm sure the Rams weren't going to fall into a trap against the Jets either. Very good but, point. Um, good point. Know, do I think they are? No. I, I think they've got too much talent. I think, um, let's face it, they're the, really the only other AFC team that has a shot to get in. You mentioned the Raiders earlier, but as far as I'm concerned, they're toast. And, you know, Baltimore is... I think they're a very good team, and they've gotten better as the years gone on. So, no, I don't think it's going to be a trap game. Yeah, I don't think it would be a trap game either. I, you know, again, that coach has been around there for a very long time. They know exactly what the hell is going on. Yeah, Baltimore Ravens, and I don't know why I said that they're playing the Giants. So, excuse me, I apologize about that. They're playing the Giants this week. I don't know why I said that, but still, yeah, they are going to beat them. There's no Daniel Jones. It's Colt McCoy. So everything you said still is true, even though I spit out the wrong <laughs> team name in the beginning. So I apologize about that. So, yeah, they got the Giants. Uh, Baltimore should definitely take care of business over these guys. I do agree with you with that. So does that mean that Miami takes care of the Raiders on Saturday? All right, so we got three Saturday games, which we'll talk about in, in a little bit. The Dolphins go to Vegas, where, again, the Raiders basically blew it. But, again, mathematically, they're still in it. So you know they're going to be fighting this game. It's at quote-unquote home. I know that hasn't meant much this year. But the Dolphins going on the road to Vegas, playing Derek Carr, John Gruden schemes, whatever it may be, Saturday night. What do you think is going to happen? You know, that's one of those things – we were talking about the, the top 10 teams and so forth. You know, everything in the defense and so forth, everything's pointing to Miami. But I'll tell you what, I hate when they go they go cross-country. Mm. Some teams, it really affects badly. And, and look, the Raiders aren't the Jets. They aren't the Jags, whatever. I mean, this is a, a 500 football team. And, you know, they're, they're capable of – Certainly beating the Miami Dolphins is a much taller order, you know, for the Dolphins, I believe, to beat the Raiders than it is 
for Baltimore to beat the Giants. And, yeah, it's the only hope for the Raiders to get in. And, yeah, they're, they're going to be pumped up. I, I think there's probably a good chance that they could upset Miami. If I'm a betting guy, I'm still going to take Miami, though. I think they're a better team. Yeah, I, um, I, th- I forgot what the points were. I think it might have been minus two and a half. Uh, yeah, I do like to bet myself once in a while. I'm not going to lie. It's the truth. <laughs> I definitely like that. I do uh, once in a while. But, um, man, I don't know. This is so tough. Just the Raiders, it's like, yeah, they could look. You know, they're the team that beat Kansas City this year. So, obviously, they can get pumped up. They should be pumped up. John Gruden's got to do his job as a coach. And Derek Carr's got to do his job as a quarterback. So we'll see if that works out. But, yeah, they beat Miami and Baltimore wins this weekend against the Giants. Then look what happens. We had a big swap, and all of a sudden we got three NFC North teams in there. So that's really the only change that can happen of major significance. Um, the Colts could take over uh, the division if Tennessee does lose, uh, lose this week. Um, let me see. The, t- the Colts got the Steelers. Um, they're playing your team, so it's in Pittsburgh. That'll be a tough one. Um, before we even get to Tennessee, what do you think is going to happen? There? I know, again, we talk about the Steelers a lot. I know you're down on them big time. I still think they have that chance to come back and regroup, but I'm a big Colts fan this year also, and they can really play anywhere. they got a veteran quarterback, Phillip Rivers. Their running game has come around a lot more, and this will be one of the better defenses they play all year. So do they end their, their three-game losing good? Yeah, that's one thing that uh... – I, I don't think they're going to, no. And one, one stat I want to hit but just before we go on to that game, Miami's 4-2 and two on the road. The Raiders are 2-5 and five at home. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's one thing to look at in that game. But yeah. no, Indianapolis, look, Phil Rivers, I took my son to a couple of games playing the Chargers in Heinz Field, and it seems like every time I watched uh, you know, Phil Rivers come to Pittsburgh, he beats Pittsburgh. So <laughs> um, I, I – no, I think the Colts are going to win this game. Pittsburgh cannot run the football. And if you can't run the football, I just don't think that they're going to win because Ben Roethlisberger, his arm downfield is not the arm that we're used to. It's not accurate. He's overthrowing open guys. And, you know, Rivers doesn't seem to be – any different he was six years ago as far as throwing that football. So, I mean, I'm going with the Colts. I like the defense. They, they've had less injuries, and um, I just have more off, more uh, confidence in their offense. Man, do I, I hear, look, defense, as we all, they, the, the quote, defense wins championships. Uh, it does a lot of the times. Like I said, Kansas City got hot on D uh, at the end of the year, and that's a big part as to why they won in the 2010 Super Bowl crushed me in the fourth quarter when they came back. But again, another story altogether. So yeah, look, if the Colts beat the Steelers, which is obviously more than possible, as you just pointed out, the Titans are playing the Packers on Sunday night football. So you're talking about, you know, I mean, they're. Pro- I think they're probably going to lose that game. The Titans at the Packers, uh, Titans 10 and four, Pack 11 and three. Now the Packers want to maintain that number one spot, obviously. So it's not like they don't have anything to play for. So that game right there can flip flop the whole thing and put the Colts right back on top of the South. Yeah, it's very possible. And you know the thing is, it would not surprise me if Tennessee pulled an upset this week. I think I think Green Bay is a better team. 
Uh, but if but if you look at the standings, I mean, there's there's Tennessee ten and four, Indianapolis ten and four. Of course, we talked about you know the nine and five teams, et cetera, in the AFC. You go to the NFC. There's there's Green Bay at eleven and three, and um, you know they're pretty much sitting pretty. Um, I don't know if they have as much to play for, and you know maybe that's just a. Um, you know, a, a pipe dream to think that, you know, they may have a bit of a letdown against a really quality team. But, um, you know, I think they're a better team. But if Tennessee pulled an upset this week, it wouldn't shock me. Well, you know what? It, it wouldn't shock me either. I, you know, I still think that the Packers, you know, they, I mean, you're right. Look, they had the head-to-head battle against New Orleans, and now they have, you know, the better record. Uh, they have the same record at 10-3, and three, I believe it is right now. Let me just uh, double-check on that. Uh, so, right, I'm sorry. Thank you. Eleven three and ten four. So yeah, you're right. And again, they have the head-to-head matchup. So maybe they're not as worried. But I think that I think they're still going out there full force. I don't think it's time yet to, you know, like relax your guys a little bit. Maybe they do that when the, everything is completely wrapped up and it's a done deal. They got the number one seed. There's no mosh posh going on or whatever it may be. So we'll see. That game is huge, obviously, for the Titans and the Colts. That's major right there. And we're looking at the AFC right now. And like we said, Baltimore against the Giants, they can have a big win. And look, if the Raiders show up, they can knock off the Dolphins. And then we get down to the last week, which is always incredible. Can't wait to see what the hell happens over there. All right, so let's look at the uh, NFC. As we know, um, right now, the Packers, like we talked about, got number one. The Saints got the number two. The Seahawks, three. Washington is number four. And real quick on Washington, They've become a team that you really don't want to play because of that defensive line there, Rick. I mean, besides Chase Young and Sweat, you know, they got these other guys that they really can play. They get after the quarterback. They make tackles in the backfield for losses. So, you know, Washington's tough, man. You know, they're not going to, you know, sleep on this. You know, they're obviously going for the division title. They want to get in there. They're home against the Panthers this week. So when you look at Washington right now at the number four spot and the fact that the Giants play in Baltimore, this could be it. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, and you know, I mentioned that that kind of a weird stat with um, Cleveland being whatever they are, ten and four with a negative point differential. There's Washington; they're at six and eight, and they have a positive point differential. So, I mean, they <laughs> right. have been playing some pretty good football, and they've been competitive all year, even though they had such a slow start. Yep, plenty of injuries. Also, that team is always injury plagued. There's no doubt, but. Yeah, depending on who they play in the first round, and it looks like they are going to get in right now with the way that, you know, again, any given Sunday, you don't know what's going to happen, but they get in there. Not a team that you're going to want to face off right away. I can tell you that for sure. So you got Washington there. The Giants are going to try as hard as they can to get up in that spot and win that division. We'll see. Uh, the Rams still in the playoffs. The Bucks. you got the Cardinals and the Bears on the bubble. The Bears beat the Vikings. They basically put them out of contention. So the only team that can sneak up is the Chicago Bears um, on the Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, again, just to make sure that we got this right now, the Chicago Bears are playing the Jags. It's in Jacksonville. You got to win that game, man. Look, if you're, you are you want to be in a playoff team in the NFL, you got to go beat Jacksonville if you're Chicago. I don't care if the game is on the moon. You know, they're playing in Jacksonville, but Rick, you think that the Jags could upset Chicago the, the way they've been playing lately? Um, not the way they've been playing lately. I mean, I, I don't think that, the, you know, he, Jacksonville has been playing very well and Chicago's been playing a lot better. 
Um, so, no, I think this game, I think it goes to Chicago, puts them at 8-7. and seven. You know, depending on what the Cardinals do, you know, it could be extremely interesting because, you know, if you look at, what is it, week 17, you know, Chicago has to go, or they're actually at home, excuse me, but they've got the Packers. Right. And, you know, we talked about, you know, being let down, whatever, we don't know, but then Arizona is playing at the Rams. So, I mean, yeah, this Jacksonville game is a must for Chicago, and, you know, anything can happen when you put Arizona against Rams and Green Bay, depending what happens, you know, against Tennessee and so forth. Maybe Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be playing a full game and so forth, and all of a sudden Chicago finishes 9-7. and seven. Who knows? Yep, that's, that is an absolute po- possibility. There's no doubt about it. As you were saying, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, yep, the Packers may just, you know, you know, I don't want to say lay down, but, you know, put in the second stringers, may, may not even put Aaron Rodgers out there. If they got everything wrapped up, done deal, take a couple of weeks off, get your body healthy, let's study up and get ready for the playoffs. And then, you know, you're looking at the other side, um, as far as the Cardinals are concerned. And uh, they got, uh, like I said, oh, my goodness, I lost it already, who the Cardinals are playing. Uh, the Rams, thank you. So, yeah, right. they got the Rams um, in, in week 17. Yeah. This week, this week, yeah, this week they got the 49ers in Arizona. So I'm not going to say that the Cardinals are for sure going to beat San Fran. San Fran's my team. Um, Nick Mullins, I don't think is playing. They're going to put C.J. Beathard in. Does that make a big difference? I highly doubt it. So if the Cardinals are for real, they're going to win this game at home. But don't, you know, the 49ers still have a pretty good defense. And it is a divisional matchup. Like you said before, those are always tough ones. So there's very high possibility that we could see switches on both sides in the AFC and the NFC. That's what makes football great, man. Comes down to the last game, last play sometimes. If you're going to get into the playoffs, it's amazing. And having that extra seed right there. And the fact that, you know what, having that extra seed, you would think, all right, a 7-9 and nine team is probably going to get in. Not how the NFC East is going right now, but, you know, no. I mean, you got to win like 10-11 games if you want to get into this thing, even still with that 7th seed out there. So, uh, we're seeing a lot of good football teams, and the bad ones are getting left in the dust. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. I mean, the, it, it is. You're right. The, the bad teams are bad. I mean, we have two one team or one win teams right now, and you know, there's a lot of other ones down around four wins and you know, four or five wins. So, I mean, it, there's a real separation there. It's not a lot of what you would call parity from top to bottom. But, you know, the cream of the league, there's, like you said, there's a lot of teams. I mean, you have the good teams, you have the bad teams. And, but where the teams that are good, I tell you, it, it's close. It's going to be a nail-biter, and it's very competitive the whole way down. Yep, and these last two games, you know, everybody who's playing for something, you have to treat it like it is a playoff game, and that's even what Baltimore has to do on the road against Jacksonville. You have to win that game, and and you have to hope that Miami, you know, has a hiccup and they lose one of the last two, whatever it is. This game is, it's again, going down in the last two weeks, and it's beautiful. We could see the Bears back in there, and that would be something amazing where they were the talk of, like, the whole entire, you know, midseason Nick Foles, Trubisky, Nagy, this, that is the defense to getting all fed up. Amazing, right, if, if they can pull this off. So we shall see. That's playoff uh, playoff action right there and more to come, obviously, after our Week 16 games. And we got a lot of good ones. We went over them. Uh, I want to get your opinion on maybe two more games. The Rams 
who just lost to the Jets, got to be so pissed off. They're going to play Seattle, divisional game. Both teams need it. If the Rams win, I believe they take over first place in the division. If Seattle wins, they pretty much lock it up. What do you think happens? Boy, I'll tell you what. This is, yeah, you talk about a Jekyll and Hyde team. And we talked about the Steelers. I mean, they're not so much Jekyll and Hyde. They started off great. They've just been fading. The Rams are... You know, Confusing. I don't know what to make of them. I mean, they're nine and five, and by all rights, you know, going into last week, they were nine and four. You're thinking, okay, they'll crush the Jets, and depending on what Seattle does, you know, this boy is going to be a great showdown. And now here you go, you know, the Rams. It's like, are they even better than the Cardinals? Or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and you wonder, Jared Goff is okay. But, you know, he had, he shows flashes, but then there's other games where it's like, wow, he's not very good. Mm-hmm. You, you know how you have, you, have, you have your top tier of quarterbacks where maybe you have four or five at the most? Then you got your second tier. I, he, he's on the third tier for me as far as I'm concerned, you know. So, yeah, you have to have reliability in, in that position especially. So, Jared Goff, I've never been a huge fan of him. Sean McVay was so unbelievably creative. They went to the Super Bowl, and you know what? They scored three points against the Patriots, and then things started to go a little bit downhill. Goff didn't have another great season uh, the following year, but started to pick it up again. Yeah, too much on and off, and that's the whole thing. You need to be consistent from here on out. If you're a playoff team, if you're a championship team, all these games matter, and you got to treat each team as if they are a playoff team and you're fighting for your life. And it looks like that's what Pittsburgh did last night, saying, oh, this is a cakewalk. We'll walk into this thing, no problem. But the Bengals came in, and they played their butts off, and sometimes heart beats talent. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, and that's, that's the thing about, um, you know, you can have talent all over the field, and but you need – Every facet of the game, you need good coaching, you need good adjustments, you need great attitude, you know, a team atmosphere. And, you know, if, if you fall into a funk or there's a lap, mental lap somewhere along the line, look, it's still the NFL. There's 32 teams of professionals and they can beat you. That's right. Exactly. People tend to think, I hate when they say, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm watching the game and somebody, and they say, oh, that guy sucks. I'm like, does he really suck? He plays in the freaking NFL. Is he? Does he really suck? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? Nobody in the NFL sucks. Relatively speaking, players aren't as good as others, but I, I can't stand it when they say, this guy's terrible or whatever. No, he oh, made it to- I, Another thing is, is the one, well, you know, Whoever Clemson could beat Jacksonville nine. Oh nine. God! No, they can't. Right? You know? No, they, no can't. they can't. No, they can't. That is a team of NFL professionals. You're talking about children in college. Give me a break. Uh, right? That I remember they had that argument. The Miami Hurricane teams back in like the late '80s, early '90s can beat you know any of the worst teams in football. They may have been the one closest to, but still, no. Of course, they can't. No. No, no, no. That'll never even happen. Not a Nick Saban Alabama team. Nobody. Not even if Paul Brown comes back from the dead or, you know, Notre Dame, you know, guys and all that sort of stuff. I don't care. It's never going to happen. And speaking of coaches, before we close out, let's talk about a couple of coaches who are definitely in contention for coach of the year. And you know what? It seems by this by this time of the year, uh, Briggs, every time 
we kind of know who it's going to be. It's down to maybe one or two guys, but you know what? It ain't. I'm going to rattle off a few names for you right now, and they're all worthy. Sean Payton, Kevin Stefanski, Andy Reid, Matt LaFleur, Bill Belichick with the with the team that he had to deal with, Sean McDermott of the Bills, Brian Flores of, uh, of the Miami Dolphins. There's no clear-cut guy to me unless you see somebody who is completely clear. The only one that I can say would be Kevin Stefanski, you know, turning around this franchise, obviously. So maybe he'll win it. But I'll tell you right now, I love what Matt LaFleur has done with Aaron Rodgers and working that relationship out. So all those names, and I just gave you the two that I kind of like the most. What are you thinking? Who do you like? Well, I mean, everything you said I agree with. I, I, I love, you know, what LaFleur's doing with, with Green Bay. They It was a real contentious takeover. I thought, I got to tell you, man, I thought there was – I thought there was going to be friction this year. I thought it was going to be terrible. And I was praying to the football gods that Aaron Rodgers would come back home and play for the 49ers. But he's happy as a pig and you know what right now. Yeah, and, and, he, and he should be. And, yeah, another one that you brought up, a- Andy Reid. I mean, look, they're 13-1. and one. They're the reigning champions. There's no Super Bowl let down for these cats. Nope. I mean, they're, they're, they're just rolling. And it's because of Andy Andy Reid's – I Look, there's great teams out there all the time. I mean, but, you know, you still need those special coaches, your Belichicks. I think Andy Reid is one of them there. He just This is just the most talented team that he's ever had by far. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, he's just so innovative. You notice nobody seems to be catching up with that. We talked about, like, the Pittsburghs, the Rams, and some of these teams where – you know, these defenses are making adjustments and stopping them. Nobody's doing that to Kansas City at all. And, you know, I tell you what, my personal favorite right now is Sean McDermott of Buffalo. I, I just think that this team in the last couple of years has just emerged into a real powerhouse. Josh Allen has taken steps. They, they've brought him along. Um, they've got him some weapons. Look, Diggs has just been the, the best move that they've done that I can remember. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, everything about them, yeah, they've got a little bit of you know, maybe a couple of gaps on defense that they can pass, but look, they're still 11-3, and three, and um, I just think he's done a phenomenal job. Absolutely. And we talked about him a, a couple of years ago on the show when they were just floundering, but then they would turn around, they won a couple of games around, I can't remember exactly, they ended up like 6-9 and nine or something when – Everybody said that they were just the dregs of the East. And, you know, I mean, to do that much with so little says a lot. And Flores is the same way as Miami last year. So, I mean, I think both both those guys are strong contenders. No doubt. They definitely are. The other ones are, too. Uh, We'll see who it is. It's Sean Payton, you know, having to deal with Andrew Brees and going 3-1 and with Taysom Hill, a guy who's only thrown 20 passes prior to his first start. But uh, you mentioned Sean McDermott. I'll I'll say real quick um, to my other partner, Damian. Uh, Damian Adams, he he likes Sean McDermott also, and uh, for the same reasons as you. You know, I, again, I'm wondering a little bit with the defense because they were so much more solid last year. But Josh Allen is a guy that I was in love with in the beginning, and Damian he likes to say that Josh Allen has taken a quantum leap this year. He predicted it before, and he really has. Josh Allen is definitely an MVP candidate. He's not going to win it, 
but he's playing as good quarterback as anybody is in the league. The guy's amazing. He can run. And Sean McDermott, again, yes, he's they love playing football for him. That's another thing. If you love playing football for your coach, that's another thing if you're going to run through a brick wall. So I definitely like what you said uh, right there. And again, I go back to LaFleur. I, I may lean his way a little bit. I may lean Stefanski. I mean, you know, people weren't, not everybody again was riding the Cleveland Browns bandwagon. I did it again for the first time, like I said, and I like his style coming from Minnesota. We're going to run. We're going to play defense. We'll work off play action. Now, Baker Mayfield looks good, even though OBJ isn't there. Maybe that made them better. I don't know. You know, addition by subtraction or something like that. But when it comes down to it, I'm not sure who's going to get it. It could be Stefanski. It could be McDermott. It could be Flores. You know, any one of these guys. But I also want to say one thing about Bilicek uh, before we close out here. we got a couple minutes left. I think that he did such a great job this year. Again, with Cam coming in literally a week before the season starts. He got no training camp. He puts together this whole thing with half his team going out because of covid I, I just think it's incredible. It, again, it shows, even though they only have six wins on the year, how great of a coach he really, really is. Because he went into it probably in a worse situation than anybody has, having a quarterback for 20 years, going to the Super Bowl half the time, and now having to deal with a whole different team. So I give him plenty of props, and I think that he deserves a couple of votes. Oh, yeah. He'll probably get him. You know, and it's kind of ironic, this, this coach of the year thing sometimes, you know, kind of is, you know, not undeserving to somebody or whatever because they get the votes or whatever. But, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but Chuck Knoll never won coach of the year. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, you wow. can go with a grain of salt. But, um, wow. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Belichick, you know, they're six and eight. I mean, they could finish eight and eight. With that team, you know, kind of like Tomlin, they finished eight and eight last year with right. a quarterback that couldn't throw out of his way. So that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, coaching is a big deal in, in football more than any other sport. Yeah, it's a big deal in, in in every sport, really. You know, if you're a manager in baseball, you know, coaching basketball, whatever. But yeah, there's a reason why there are a hundred different uh, types of different coaches and assistants on the line. There's so much to work with, so many different jobs from the offensive line coach and everything down and over and under. It's amazing. I wish that people who just didn't watch football for the bash in the heads and the long throws and the touchdowns, who understand that the game is won and lost at the line of scrimmage, that's where things happen, and it gets technical. There's chess games, there's fooling, there's motion, all that beautiful stuff, and things that I want to talk about with you in the future. I'm so glad that you came on today. I wish we had more time. It's been a great, great conversation, and we could have gone on longer about even different topics. I got a whole bunch of stuff in my head I want to talk to you about now, but I know we only got a few minutes left, and with that time, do me a favor, Rick. Tell everybody about where you're at on Twitter with the two minutes that we got, your show, everything they need to know because you are a must-follow, a must-listen, and again, you've done a great job on the show today, and I thank you for it. No, I appreciate it, Jason, and I appreciate you, the invite and, and being able to come on because, uh, you know, we, we've known each other for quite some time, you know, kind of, you know, you, you get to know each other, then you kind of go separate ways, but it's always nice to hook up and start talking some stuff that we love. But we are Flieger and Briggs. I'm Rick Briggs. Um, our show right now is It's Just Sports. You can see it on um, 12 Ounce Sports. Um, you can find us on Twitter, at Asylum Football. And coming in um, 2021, Asylum Sports will be presenting our, our new project called Chaos and Disorder. 
and um, All right. we're going to be hitting the road running in 2021 with that. So uh, stay tuned for information on that. Um, oh, that will be that deserves. All right, that definitely deserves a round of applause right there. Well done. Yeah, you guys are doing great. You know, you know your stuff, and that's what's most important. And you can engage with the audience. That's why I follow. That's why a bunch of people follow you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. We're going to have to do this again. Hey, it'd be great to have Flieger on next time. I'd love to have you both on. That'd be awesome. But today was fantastic. I really appreciate it, Rick. Thank you so much again. This is Rick Briggs of Flieger and Briggs. Again, you know me. I'm Jason Fearman. Tomorrow night. You're going to be able to hear their show, and you're going to be able to hear our show, Third and Three Podcasts, will be on even after theirs, which works out great. So double the pleasure for you. Nikki, Damian, and I will be back tomorrow. All right? We're going to rock around the clock. It's sports. It's football. It's NFL. It's what we love. It's what it's all about. And conversing with people who know what they're talking about and having fun, debates, discussions, and all that, Rick. Again, thanks so much for bringing the knowledge to the team over here and helping me out today. It's been awesome, brother, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. And I appreciate it, too. Hey, Power 32 podcast out for this week, but third and three, back tomorrow. We'll see you there.